So, I feel like I already talked forever. Yeah, thanks, Dwight. Um, you're not invited back next week. <laughs> um, I remember in school, the, the words that I might have hated more than anything else. You get to the end of class, you're sitting in your desk, you're waiting for the bell to ring, and the bell rings and your teacher interrupts and says, wait, 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 one more thing before you go. Your homework is... And like a well-orchestrated chorus, the class responds with, And there's something about homework that we don't like. Like we spend all day at school and learning and investing and pouring your mind into the girl sitting next to you in the chair. Um, But to go home the last thing you want to do is revisit the algebra that you didn't understand there in the first place. The last thing you want to do is read or work on a project or write a paper. But that homework has some really important purposes. And so this morning as we start, I want to give you Basically, three just simple truths. And then kind of the premise for the whole morning. And these simple truths, when you hear them, you're going to think, okay, that, yeah, we know that. We, we got that. It, it, you might even be a little disappointed that you showed up for the sermon because that, that's it. That's all you got. Thanks. Um, you might not have ever heard it like this. You might not have ever thought of it like this, but I think these are things that you will all agree, yes, that is true. The first one is this. Progress is a process. Progress is a process. That For something to progress, for it to go forward, there is a process for it to get there. The second one. The process requires persistence. The process requires persistence. Because to progress in something, you can't just simply try it one time. If you're going to lose weight, it's not, well, I'm going to eat a good meal today. It's that I'm going to eat a good meal, a healthy meal, day after day after day after day. And if you string enough of them together in a row, then you're going to start to make some progress because of your persistence. And then the third is this, the persistence must have a purpose. That there must be a purpose behind what you're doing that's moving you to progress. And so the premise behind this whole thing, if you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have to do some homework. If you want to grow spiritually, this cannot be it. Bible class cannot be it. This can't be the only time that you open and engage the Word. And so we're going to start this morning in Hebrews chapter 5. And we're going to spend most of the morning in 5 and chapter 6. Starting in verse 11 of chapter 5. We have much to say about this. But it's hard to make it clear to you 
because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So so first, this progress that we're making is a process. To, To move forward in our relationship with God is a process. And he uses this analogy of milk. Now, for most of you, you have had kids or know someone who has a kid. And you've been around babies, and you understand that babies start with a bottle, and as they get older, they progress. And they need milk to help them grow. They need milk for nourishment because this is the beginning it's the foundation it gives them strength it gives them nourishment and it begins from their mother and it moves to a bottle and then on to a sippy cup but the hope is that you don't just continue drinking milk the hope is that you progress and you move from milk to baby food, to a little bit more solid food, to steak. And as you progress, it continues to help nourish you where you need it. See, it's not that the milk is bad. The milk is good. But as you grow older, milk alone will not sustain you. You need other things in your diet. You need other things that are going to help you to grow. And he, he uses this analogy of milk. You start this baby on milk and give them the foundation that they need, but the hope is it's going to progress as they get older and you're going to start bringing out some solid foods. You're going to start giving them things that are going to help with the nutrition and give them more and more of what they need. And it's not that you get rid of the milk. I understand. He's not saying, well, the milk is a bad thing and it's not really useful anymore. He's saying, here's this milk and this was the foundation of who you were and you still drink it. And as you get a little older, how you are able to take that nourishment changes. And it gets a little more complex. And the milk never becomes something that's bad. It's still good. 
but you need more as you grow older. You need solid food. And so he, he talks, talks to this church and he says, here, you are still stuck in this infancy stage of understanding. And part of this process that you're going through is to help you progress in your relationship with Christ and to progress in your understanding of him and what he is doing. In preschool, you start teaching kids a foundation. And then when they get into kindergarten, you don't start them with Shakespeare. You start them with their ABCs. And these basic little words, it and at and dog and cat. And you teach them how to recognize these words. And as you do this over time, you continue to progress forward. And it's a process. And the hope is this kid that started with their ABCs in kindergarten is going to get to this point in high school if they follow the process to continue to progress that they're going to be able to read something more complex. And so the writer of Hebrews says, here, there's some basic truths of this journey to follow Christ that you have. But as you progress and you gain more understanding in this process, in this journey... You need to be able to take these truths and teach them to other people who are where you once were. You don't need to just simply be drinking the milk. Now you need to be able to serve it. You need to be able to feed someone else. And you don't need to continue to feed yourself over and over and over with these simple truths. That your understanding needs to move forward. And so the second thing is this process of moving from the beginning as an infant to an adult who can handle solid food is a process that requires persistence. And the same is true in our walk with Christ. It's a process that requires persistence. And the problem, I think, in so many churches in our world today is that people are fed once a week. Can, can you imagine a world where you sit down at your breakfast table, your dinner table, one time a week and you ate a meal and expected that to sustain you and give you strength and energy for your entire week. It's absurd. No, you understand that you need to eat something every single day. And the same is true here in our relationship with Christ. That you need to be feeding yourself. And that's the, the hope here for the writer is that you learn as you get older to feed yourself so someone else is not always having to do it. And it's not that the, the beginning and someone else feeding you is a bad thing, but it's that you have to progress from that place if you want to grow. 
if you want that relationship to grow deeper. And so it is a persistence that is required. See, for something to grow, it has to be worked and cultivated. And that includes your soul. If something is going to grow, you have to work at it. If something is going to progress, it has to have some attention. And that is true for your soul. See, homework served a really important purpose when we were in school. Homework does three things. It's practice, it's reinforcement, and it's also preparation. Your your teacher gives you the homework and there's the hope that you're going to go home and you're going to practice doing your multiplication charts so many times that it becomes second nature to you. So when they say, um, what is 5 times 5, you can say 20. wondering if my kids caught it. Um, when they say five times five, you know it's 25. That it becomes second nature. And that it also would reinforce what they're teaching you. They're teaching and teaching and teaching. You're taking this in, and they send you home with the homework that hope is that it would reinforce what they've been teaching all day. That you would get a better understanding for it. And the third thing is it's Preparation. It's preparing you for what comes next. It's preparing you for the paper that you're going to have to write. It's preparing you for the lab that you're going to have to do. It's preparing you for the test that you're going to have to take. And so homework, as much as we hate it, as much as we want to avoid it, as much as we want to not have to do homework, it is so important to your life as a student. But the same goes in your walk with Christ. If you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have some homework. This has to go home with you. This can't just simply stop here. So this progress, this process, this persistence, this preparation has a purpose. And and before we get into really the purpose of it, Let's talk about what that looks like for you today, right now. Because so many times you you hear people say, well, you need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. You you need to spend time um, in the Word. You need to spend time and, and develop some accountability in your life. And here's these disciplines that you need to practice. And and you hear other people talk about it, and you think, man, I wish I could do things like they do them. But my guess is, those are the people who have been in this process for a long time. And their progression is because of their persistence in the process. That they, They've been at this for a while, and so their prayer life is developed because they're persistent with it. It's something they practice daily. And so here's some just help for you. Start small. Start small. Don't don't say, hey, I'm going to pray for an hour today. I'm going to wake up five minutes earlier 
and I'm going to spend five minutes in, in God's presence. I, I'm going to start, I'm going to read a chapter a day because I can't do an hour. I can't do 30 minutes. Start small. Because the, the reason you start infants here is because that's what they can handle. And as they grow older, they can handle a little bit more. As they mature, their body is adapted. And they can do what they could not once do. There has to be persistence to progress in this process. Next, this is how we build a foundation. Like, like we said, the milk never really becomes bad. It's something you still need. But it's the foundation. And it needs more. You need more to sustain you. And then the purpose of it is transformation. That, that you're not doing this, that the five minutes, the reading a chapter, is not just simply to do it to check off the list. But it's helping to transform you into the person God wants you to be. That the reason you eat, that the reason you begin with milk, is because there is somewhere you are moving to. And as your nutrition increases, it's going to help you grow, and it's going to help you build muscle, and it's going to help you grow and, and get taller. That, that nutrition is so important for life and vitality. Now, now, what I think is so interesting, though, here is what the writer describes as milk. What, what he describes is this elementary teaching. Look at chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands in the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Like, that seems huge. What, what are those elementary teachings? What are, what are the milk? Well, it's the resurrection of the dead and the forgiveness of sins and, the, and Christ on the cross. I mean, these are the, the foundations. These are the beginning. But you need to move beyond those. It's not that they ever become bad. It's that there's more to this journey. There, there's more that you need to be feeding yourself with. Because the purpose in drinking this is that you're going to grow in maturity. It's not just that you're going to understand these truths. It's that these truths are going to transform who you are. Because the cross does not just simply affect you. It affects the way that you see and interact with the world. 
And what he does in his letter is he moves on to these more complex understandings of who Jesus is and what the cross means, not just for you, but for the entire world. Because the, the cross did not just transform who you are. It transforms everything. It changes the way the world works. Because if Jesus died on the cross and he conquered death rising from the grave, then everything from this point forward is different now because of that. And the way that we see and understand and interact in this world has to be different than the way we first understood it. Because my guess is that inside this, in this beginning infancy stage for you, there was an understanding that Jesus did this for me. But the hope is that that understanding doesn't just stay with Jesus did this for me. But that God did this to redeem the world. And he has invited me as I grow, as I progress in this relationship with him, as I grow up in Christ to maturity, that I now see myself as a part of what Christ is doing in this world. And he continues on, skipping down to verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. See, here's, here's the thing. That Christ's death and resurrection changed the way the world works. Because of his death, because of his resurrection, this physical body, when it ceases to exist, it does not mean life is over. And that's different from the way everyone else sees the world. But because you're growing in faith, you see that you're now a part of this new community that is inviting people with the same invitation you received. And you received it and people fed you. And here's the thing about babies with milk. Is babies are selfish. They don't care what everyone else needs or wants. They care what they need and what they want. And if they don't get it, they will let you know. And the hope is that you grow up to a place where you don't see that the world is all about me. That Jesus' death and resurrection is not all about me. Did Christ die for you? Yes but also understand he died for the redemption of the world. 
And he has invited you into this work, not to get lazy in doing it, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. The, the purpose of it is the redemption of the world through the blood of Christ. That you would see your place differently than you once did. In John, he writes, and we read just a few minutes ago, and Dustin, if you can skip down to verse 4. I want you to listen to this because these two verses just hit me. Abide in me. Abide, remain, be constant, be committed, be plugged in. Abide in me and I in you. And as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, listen to this, apart from me, you can do nothing. I I have a tendency to work really hard. And there are times that I think I find myself not abiding in Jesus, but doing stuff for Jesus. You can do a lot of good things and it's not that I'm doing bad things, and it's not, I'm working really hard for him, and I'm trying to grow the kingdom. But, but sometimes I, I find myself in this place where I'm just working, and I'm doing, and I'm doing, and I'm doing, and I'm doing, and I'm not taking the time to just simply abide. I'm not taking the time to be still. I'm not taking the time just to realize that my relationship with him is the the most important thing that I have to do. Because if I have that, if I'm growing in that, the way that I see the world, the way that I'm growing in my faith, all that is going to be different, and all that is going to change. Listen, you can do so many good things for Christ and not know and have a relationship with Him. You can go serve people in Jesus' name. You can take food to your neighbors. You can pray for people and not remain connected to the vine. You see, we we confuse doing with being. What you need, maybe more than anything else, is simply to be in His presence. Because the more you are simply in His presence, the more He transforms who you are. 
And as he transforms who you are, you will do more for him. But what John reminds these these people of, he says, apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. You you can be working so hard and pouring yourself into good works and good things, and and John says it, it means nothing. If you're not abiding in him and he's not blessing the work of your hands and doing what you're asking him to do because you've been abiding in him, that that all this stuff is just stuff. See, I wonder how many of us this morning would just simply say, I find myself doing things for God more than simply being with God. I find myself doing things for God and not simply being with God. When I was in graduate school, we had just had, I think, Ryan, and I had a paper that was due, and we had Gracie, who was um, a year and a half old, and Cammie was keeping the kids, and I was writing a research paper, and it was like, you know, 16... 18, 20 pages, something like that. It was a long paper. And I'm, I'm typing, I'm in the middle of it. And Cammie calls me and says, hey, I need you to help change a diaper. And so I go in there and, and change the diaper and, and get help and go back. And I finish my research paper and I submit it. And the semester ends and I look online to see my grade for the class. And I got a 56 in the class. And I said, whoa, okay. That's a problem. And I looked at my grades, and my grade for my research paper was a zero. And so I emailed my professor, and I said, hey, I think you made a mistake. You gave me a zero on my paper. And he emails me back and says, well, this was no mistake. We need to have a talk. You need to be in my office tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And so I, okay. So Cammie was working, and so I took Ryan. I guess it was before, it was after Gracie, because I just took Gracie and her child seat. took Gracie in a child seat and I show up in my professor's office and sit my (laughs) newborn baby down next to me. And he says, well, your paper, because you submit everything online now and it checks for plagiarism, he said, your paper, you plagiarized this paragraph. And I, I, I promise, he goes, you got it from this paper. And so he pulls up this paper online, and he says, look, it's word for word. You, you got this from this paper. And I said, I have never seen that paper before in my life. He goes, well, it's pretty hard to, dis- to, to prove you're, you're innocent. <laughs> I said, I got the evidence right here. And I said, well, let me. So I pull up my computer, and I open up the research I had done. And I said, well, I got that quote from this book on this page. And the crazy thing is he had the book in his office, and so he pulls open the book, he opens it up, and he looks, and he, it's word for word out of there. Evidently, someone else had cheated on their research paper, but not me. <laughs> but in, in going to help my wife change the diaper, when I came back, I forgot to quote it and cite where I found this. And so his assumption was that I had plagiarized intentionally. So he gave me a 70 on my paper and a B in the course 
and I was never so thankful to make a B. But when, when you do those papers, and it, this was kind of our final exam, it was what we had been preparing for with all he had been teaching us and all we had been learning through the semester, that was to prepare us for what was to come. So here's that, that final fourth truth. The purpose is preparation. The, the, the purpose of abiding, the purpose of remaining in Him is that you're prepared to live in this world as Christ would live in this world. The, the, the process is all about preparation. It's preparing you for what will come. Because I, I don't know a lot, but here, here's a couple things I know. You will be tested. You are going to have some times in your life where you're not going to know how to respond. And you're going to have some times where you're hurting and you're not sure what tomorrow is going to look like. But you will know, you will never know that God can be trusted until you have been tested. And until you have been there and you've had to rely on someone other than yourself, you will never know. See, this, this story that, that we read, this, the story of Jesus and what God is doing in the world is full of people who were tested. Abraham. Abraham was promised that he would be the father of a nation and doesn't have a child, and yet God calls him and says, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go and offer him as a burnt offering. Then there was Jacob. And Jacob is told to return to his brother Esau and reconcile the relationship that had become estranged. Then there's Joseph who worked himself into a place of prominence in Potiphar's household until Potiphar's wife comes and says, come to bed with me. Then there was Moses, who spent 40 years in obscurity on the backside of the desert, and God comes to him in the burning bush and says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And there was Israel, that trusted God to lead them through the Red Sea, and then God gave them the promise that he would be their strength and their shield. And then Joshua, who followed in the footsteps of Moses, and God tells him, you're going to be the one that leads these people into the promised land. Then there was Gideon. And God tells him, you have too many people in your army to go into battle. We need to get rid of some of them. Then there was Israel. God, give us a king so that we can be like all the other nations of the world. Or King David, who after letting God lead him to this position of prominence, sees Bathsheba bathing on a roof and says, bring that woman to me. Or Mary, who is told by the Spirit through an angel of God that you are going to conceive and give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus. Or her husband Joseph, 
who is afraid and going to divorce until the Spirit shows up in Joseph's life through a dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife. Or the disciples in this boat on a sea as the waves toss the boat everywhere. Jesus, don't you care if we drowned? Or John, who's in prison, who's fixing to die for what he believes and sends word to Jesus, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Or Peter, who's told, you're going to deny me. And he promises, no, never, not me. Until the courtyard, as Jesus is on trial, Or the question that Peter was asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? Or the words of Christ on the cross, it is finished. And then Jesus' final word to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel. See, at some point in your life, you will be tested. And what the writer of Hebrews wants you to know is this basic understanding is very important because it it is the foundation. But in this process, as you progress, you need to grow in your understanding and your maturity, and this is what it will prepare you. This is what will prepare you to be able to handle those difficult tests. See, and it's not until the very end, it's not until you have been tested that you know God can be trusted. So what you need to know, the premise, if you want to grow spiritually, you're going to have some homework. My hope and prayer is that what I give you every week is good, and it is helpful, and it is healthy, and it is nourishment. But if this is the only time that you are fed, you will die as a follower of Jesus. As you mature, you have to learn how to feed yourself. So simply start small. Build a foundation. And it will prepare you for what is to come. Father, we pray today that you would keep us from the power of Satan who is alive and at work in this world. And Father, that through your spirit, we ask, Father, that you would be transforming this world through this, your people, your church, as we engage our hands and our mouths for the good of your world, for the good of your kingdom. And Father, we pray that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you for providing for what we need today. And Father, we pray that you would help us grow in our relationship with you, our understanding of who you are, and the way that we see the world. Father, we pray that every tongue, every mouth would confess that Jesus is Lord. And Father, that we would be the people that take that message, the message of your gospel, to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could help you this morning in any way, if you need to be baptized, we would love to help you. If you could simply, simply just pray for you, we'll have staff and shepherds around the auditorium. Whatever your need, come while we stand and sing. As the deer thirsts for the water, Lord.
so my soul.